Welcome to another ATP podcast. I'm Seb Lozier, and this week we look back on another two ATP 500s in Kazakhstan and Japan and ahead to new ATP 250s in Italy and Spain. But first to Astana, Kazakhstan, where Novak Djokovic has overcome Stefanos Tsitsipas to take the title. Absolutely stunning display today, Nova. Congratulations on your 90th ATP title. Probably not something you ever dared to dream of when you started tennis career. Uh, I, I dared to dream, actually. Uh, you know, I always hoped that I was going, going to have a great career. Um, obviously, didn't know the amount of finals I'm going to play and the amount of tournaments I'm going to win. But, uh, you know, my intention was always to, to reach the, the highest heights. Uh, in our sport and uh, I'm just uh, very grateful and blessed to, to be able to play uh, this well at this stage of my, my life. You know, 35 is not the uh, same as 25. Um, but I think the experience probably in this kind of big matches and big occasions helps as well to approach mentally in a right way these kind of matches. After winning Wimbledon, you had that almost three-month uh, break. <laughs> yeah. Then you came back, won Tel Aviv, won Astana. Did that long break increase your hunger for titles? Well, it did. I mean, I, I couldn't ask for a, uh, a better restart of the season. You know, uh, as you mentioned, three months, more than three months since the Wimbledon finals. And, you know, basically since, uh, since Rome tournament, uh, since Madrid tournament, losing only to Rafa, you know, on the tour and Roland Garros, uh, Everything else uh, was a win, and uh, you know uh, I'm, I'm, you know, super pumped and motivated to to end the season as well as I have done these past couple of weeks. Very impressive! Congratulations! Thank you very much. Title number four of a somewhat curtailed season for Djokovic, but with his recent victories in Astana and Tel Aviv, he's become the first player this season to win titles on grass, clay, and hard courts. Considering the, the small amount of tournaments I played this year, it's, it's a great success um, and I always look to uh, be consistently playing well on all surfaces and kind of develop my game um, to those particular surfaces and uh, probably at the beginning of my career I was struggling to play on grass. I grew up uh, playing on clay in Serbia mostly, so, but I, you know, I kind of went through phases. Uh, hardcourt was always consistently successful surface for me, particularly indoors. Um, but then I, you know, started doing very well uh, on clay and, and on grass. I think in the last seven, eight years, I've had some, some tremendous success, particularly in Wimbledon. So, you know, I'm, I'm really glad because that's always a goal, you know, to play well. Uh, all round. Ersin Kaderis with Novak Djokovic, who progressed to the final in Astana after the withdrawal of Daniel Medvedev, who contested two highly competitive sets with the Wimbledon champion before succumbing to injury. Nevertheless, Medvedev's star is still on the rise, and as he told Ersin, he's trying hard to keep his feet on the ground through all the success and fame. I would like to think that uh, it didn't influence me at all, uh, but as I say, you know, you never know for sure there are going to be some people maybe even around me that, you know, if you ask them the same question, they're going to be like, you know, maybe he changed a little. So I just, uh, I try to do things I love to do, either on court or outside the court. I try to be real to myself, which sometimes can maybe uh, be not easy for other people, you know, like uh, everything in life, there is going to be people that uh, like what you do and some that don't. But yeah, talking about such tournaments like this, there are a lot of guys I played junior together with, a lot of guys I practiced uh, back uh, back in the time. 
and uh, we're all here we're laughing we're remembering the stories uh, we're having a good time and yeah definitely feels uh, feels great to be back here the bigger you, the team gets around you the more success you have is it harder to keep friendships though it's a tricky question and i like it because uh for sure if you talk about your friends from school or uh, some friends uh, back in the days when uh, when i lived in russia for sure uh, if you don't if you don't manage to see them for some time the friendship gonna start like every relationship to go down if we can say a little bit so for sure i lost uh, on the way some of my friends uh some i didn't lose and i still have them um and yeah talking about other tennis players friends as i say the, the guys uh, that i knew from juniors i feel like we have such a close uh, tight group and everyone knows uh, what to expect from each other and when i say what to expect that we cannot expect anything bad uh, from uh, from each other and that's why yeah we respect each other a lot and again being on tournaments like this i just feel grateful for this so medvedev in a happy place and perhaps more settled than his countryman losing a star in a semi-finalist andre rublev there will be some changes from next year if we talk about something not really about tennis and obviously hopefully yeah improvements as a person because uh, as uh, the last US Open showed that I was better as a person I mean on court not off court uh, I was better on a court as a person I was better like a player I was more professional I was able to to handle tight moments and uh, it takes time obviously I would like to do a change like this but it's not that easy every everyone have his own weaknesses for some players maybe it's mental like me for some players maybe it's to work consistently for some players it's i don't know to run or to have endurance you know everyone have his weaknesses and my weakness is mental and that's why little by little but hopefully there's some improvements in this stupid but you you feel like there are improvements as the last use open show yes because there was some moments that i would already explode and because of that i would lose the match and and there i was able even in the moments that looks like impossible to hold us to hold the self myself i was able to do it and and then that was giving me the like a turning moment in that matches and I was later on I was able to win it. Do you celebrate that as little victories when you are able to stay composed? Let's say I was feeling a bit proud of myself after match with Chapo. I will be honest, but it's not something that I want to focus because in the end when you start to think that oh like how good or I did a good job and then you start to forget so it's like okay go back to reality and you still have this problem there and go to fix it was it hard to get to this point where you realized that you need to work on the, the mental aspects was that a quite a process no because i i always knew it and i was always open with myself even in interviews i was never lying to myself that no i don't have a i don't know problems or something no i knew that because of some things that uh, 
I'm doing wrong mentally. I'm not on a higher level as I can be because my game, I have a good game to be, to be even on the next level. And then it's fight with my. And then I'm the one who who stopped myself from this. And in uh, the end was more. It's just. It's it's not easy because like I said, everyone have his own weaknesses. And in my case, this to to keep this because I'm always emotional, and doesn't matter bad or good. And the, for me, it's important to don't let the bad emotions take a lead, and to able to put all the emotions in a good mood. It's like imagine now I start to hit your face. And you will start to get so pissed because you is like you know when they hit you you have this uh, suddenly this uh, angry so that's the feeling that I have uh, on court every time when something goes wrong. So I, I get it. I've smashed my racket on the tennis court, yeah. and I'm not even a good player. So that's the feeling. And imagine you have to okay, you have to put the face okay shoot me and I will smile. You know that's the feeling, <laughs> and it's not easy to do. You know. <laughs> You know what? I think a lot of people can actually relate to that because we've we've all been in situations like that. Where, yeah. You know. I mean, it's so easy to say from outside, but in the end, is the same thing happens in life. I mean, obviously, let's say the the waiter didn't came to us to take an order, or I don't know, you're driving the car and suddenly one car pass in front of you. The first reaction, bad. You know, the, for sure, you say all the bad things about the guy. So. And most of the people like this in life, and so how you want imagine the to then on court how we, how the athletes are. With the Astana Open upgraded to an ATP 500, with events in China suspended, opportunities for Asian players have been limited, which is why 17-year-old Chinese player Shang Zhengsheng was so delighted to get a wild card into Indian Wells qualies earlier this season. Mentored for a short time by former world number one Marcelo Rios and coached by Martin Alund, the other voice you'll hear shortly, Shang has since gone on to win his first challenger title in Lexington, USA. In doing so, becoming the youngest Chinese champion in challenger tour history and the youngest player to win a title at that level since Carlos Alcaraz. Safe to say, big things are expected from this Chinese youngster. With the wildcard opportunity, qualifying as the first Chinese male player is obviously the most like special moment for me. He just turned 17 a month ago. I mean, he played his first Master 1000 here, but the ranking, he's not there yet. I'm pretty sure that in the future he's going to belong to this, to this level. I mean, my family and my team are just really happy to play here. There's a lot of room to improve and uh, hopefully I'll come back stronger. My mom played uh, table tennis and I think she's quite good at it. And my dad played football. He played in Spain. It's always fun to spend some family time. Jerry was, uh, I mean, my parents picked it. The show Tom and Jerry has been around for a long time and I'd say that's my favorite show and I think my parents would like me to be as smart as the, the mouse, Jerry. 
Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm gonna have to run to get the balls today, so I wanna get ready. Yeah. This is Martin here, my coach. We've been uh, working together for a, a short period of time, but I think we're working very well together and uh, I really like him and he seems like a nice guy, so. <laughs> Jerry, I mean, he's such a nice kid. He, you love him within five minutes. He's pretty relaxed, pretty cool easy to work with, he's a hard worker, he's humble. He was a player and uh, if you search up his matches, it's, there's some really cool ones. The qualifier from Argentina, Martin Alun. Yes. What? I, I would say he, he's still better than me and he can still play. Yeah. I have to be more professional now since playing the big tournaments. You can see Arca has a special talent. And uh, Holger, they're they're also very young, still 19, and I think they just act different. That's why you know they're at the at the top already. There's a lot to learn when you see those top players doing their things, and uh, you sometimes realize that oh maybe I should I should also do that for my warm up, or that that makes you more focused. I try to be aggressive and uh, be patient on the court. I think for, especially for his game, he's just trying to be a little bit more aggressive without kind of losing control, not just overheating the ball. Oh, this guy is just ridiculous. He's got every shot in the ball. But taking the ball a little bit sooner, a little bit faster, uh, physical condition a little bit, you know, I have to be there a little bit better. Watching these players play and uh, get to see them in, in life, there's a lot of things to improve and uh, that's something I'll discuss with my coaches and the most important is to improve in tennis and uh, physically. Shan Zhengcheng, currently the only 17-year-old inside the top 30 in the race to Milan. Let's see what he can do over the next year or so. One event Shang is certain to feature in sometime soon is the ATP 500 in Tokyo, Asia's final tour event of the year, taking place this past week. The final was an all-American affair between Francis Tiafo and Taylor Fritz, with Fritz coming out on top. Taylor Fritz, Tokyo champion. How does that sound and uh, what does that mean to you? Crazy. Uh, I don't even think it's really like set in just how how fast the last uh four or five days is, have been it, it, it's so crazy and i mean i couldn't have you know wrote it out any better this is exactly what i needed for uh for the race for my ranking uh kind of put me in a good position for the end of the year so it's it's amazing you've achieved so much in the last few days top 10 yesterday i think that takes you to top eight actually tomorrow big jump in the race First ATP 500 title. What, what's most significant for you, especially after everything that happened in Korea? I think, yeah, I mean, turning such a bad situation where I was, you know, didn't even know if I was going to be able to play this tournament. And if I was going to be able to play, uh, it would have to be after being in a hotel room for seven days, having COVID, and then taking a flight the morning of. So turning a situation like that into a uh, into a title and doing it when it has such uh, an important impact on the race. Uh, it just feels good to kind of clutch up and do something like this, something big like this. Enjoy the moment. We'll let you go. Enjoy the ceremony. Thank you.
Taylor Fritz speaking with Lee Goodall. 2022 has certainly been a breakthrough year for Fritz. Champion in Indian Wells, champion in Eastbourne and a strong run to the Wimbledon quarterfinals. But he's the first to admit that he owes a lot to his longtime coach, Mike Russell, as he told Mike Cation. I think just kind of pushing me that, that little extra bit uh, has, been, has been big for me. I'm someone who I build confidence and feel like I'm playing better by just feeling like I'm hitting my shots well. And in order to, to feel that, it's just spending more time on the court. So we just spent more time on the court, uh, worked really hard. He's, you know, any reflection of, of his career is how hard he worked and he, he pushes me. And I think that's one thing that gives me that, that extra extra push to do more. And then I'm, uh, I'm always just kind of uh, more prepared, I guess, to play matches. I've had much more time on court. I feel like I'm feeling the ball much better. The, the gym work that he puts in, Taylor, is legendary. Mm-hmm. Uh, has he pushed you to, to bulk out a little bit? Not to not to bulk out. We okay. don't. I, I I definitely don't want to be gaining any more weight. I feel like I I, I move so much better when I'm a little bit lighter. But uh, no, we. I mean, I work out with him all the time. We push pushes me in the gym, and I I feel like my. I don't know. I know I know he killed it in the gym, but I feel like my gym work has also always been been up to par. And what of the Tokyo runner-up? A lot has happened in a very short space of time for Francis Tiafo. The Tokyo final coming just a month after a narrow defeat to Carlos Alcaraz in the US Open semi-finals and all of those heroics at the Lever Cup. It's been a meteoric rise under coach Wayne Ferreira and as he told Lee Goodall, it all culminated at Flushing Meadows. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I was just committed to the process um, during those two weeks. Uh, leading up to that, I thought I was playing some great tennis. Had a lot of matches on my racket that just didn't close. You know, my matches. With uh, with Nick in DC and you know Fritz was a four zero in the third and stuff like that. So against quality guys, I was I was there and he's not getting it done. So I felt like I was I was primed and ready for a good run and and, uh, and glad it was a deal. Do you feel like you know how to use that experience? Did you learn things about yourself during that that two week period that you can reproduce on the tour now? Yeah, I think I learned. Uh, you always have more in the tank than you think you do. Uh, I think it's really understanding how that I can play with the best guys day in, day out. I think a lot of times I'll play a great match and maybe not back it up. Honestly, to be honest with you, I think being Rafa was great, but playing how playing the way I did against Andre was big growth for me. That was actually bigger than being Rafa because all the hype and everything, and, and you're able to still understand, okay, you're just in the quarterfinals and there's a job ahead. So, um, yeah, that was big. Is that a conversation that you have with your team? Uh, on the back of that sort of run, how you reproduce that that tennis away from Flushing Meadows? Absolutely, I think uh, I think Wayne's been a great help in that aspect. Um, just the mental side, he's been pushing me so much on the mental side lately. How to be a better competitor, uh, not get so down on yourself. Don't be the reason why uh, you're not successful. Get out your own way, and yeah, it's it's uh, he, he's helped a lot. And then Lever Cup, of course, on the back of that, you were part of history. Um, Still fairly recently, fresh in the memory, but maybe in a few years' time, do you feel like you'll have some very special memories that you'll look back on maybe after your career from that weekend? Yeah. I mean, me and Jack were talking about it like 10, 15 years from now, we're going to be like, yo, like, we played Fed's like last match. Like, it's crazy, bro. Like, down a match point, Labor Cup, um, playing with Rafa. Also, he's that same kind of guy, Mount Rushmore guy, so. Crazy. Um, just happy to be a part of it, honestly. Um, lucky enough, humbled, and I'm 
we all put on a show. I thought everyone played well, and um, it was fun. Seems like everyone we talked to, Rogers had a, an effect on their career. W- would you include yourself in, in that, sure. in that he's, category? He, he's the one, bro. He's the one. Like, you'd be lying to yourself if Roger didn't, you know, bless you and inspire you at one time in your life. Like, tennis player or not, like, he's the cleanest to ever do it. Um, the grace he did it, what he left on the, on the tours, on the game in general, will last forever. Another man who knows how it feels to play against and beat Roger Federer is Croatia's Borna Cioric, who was also in Tokyo this past week. Frustrated for two years by injury, a first Masters 1000 title in Cincinnati in August showed everyone, including himself, that at 26 he's still well capable of mixing it with the very best. After the US Open, I had, um, I think, three days off. And I think in that time, you know, I just, I just realized that uh, I achieved uh, one of my main goals in my whole career uh, just after, after coming back after the, after the big surgery. So, yeah, super happy about it, obviously. Also super proud. And, but, you know, in the, in the tennis world, we cannot live in the past. We cannot celebrate too much because, uh, you know, straight after that, I was, I was playing Davis Cup. I'm uh, in Asia now, so there's uh, not much time to, uh, to really celebrate. So looking forward, what did you what did you feel like you did really well in Cincinnati, and how do you reproduce that form now for the next few weeks? Honestly, very good question, and I'm gonna. I also need to try to figure that out. You know how I can play the same like there because obviously I was uh, I was playing super good there. Uh, you know, I think uh, just the I would say probably biggest difference was uh, in my serve. I served probably uh, seven to ten miles faster. Uh, I did change a little bit something, but you know, I just uh, I just gained my speed, and you know, I was I was just hitting the ball clean. Uh, you know, once I I passed um, the second and the third round, I knew um, I can I can play good. I I was feeling very good on the court. I I felt fresh. My shoulder was happy as well, so you know, I knew I can I can play far. So for me, it was always you know the problem in the in the early stages of the tournament. Yeah, I guess you did lots of maturing when you're away from the court. A lot of fans will know about the injury problems you mentioned, the shoulder and the time away from the sport that you that you had to take. Do you feel like you've come back stronger physically and, and maybe as a person as well? Uh, mentally stronger for sure. Uh, physically not yet, but I will be. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, uh, I, I, I needed to put uh, most of my focus on, uh, on my shoulder and I was doing that until... Uh, uh, pretty much uh, May, I would say. Uh, I was playing tennis and uh, and just doing the shoulder work, so I couldn't really focus on the on the other part of the body. I, I couldn't also focus on the tennis much until probably um, after Wimbledon. I, I could I could focus more on the tennis and I could start to work on the on, on the tennis. Uh, so still, I'm not happy with my physical condition. I, it's it's not still where I can see where where it can go. But I will. I I know I have um, just a couple of more tournaments and I'm gonna have. Uh, I hope very good off season, and I can I can I can come to the next level then hopefully. Yeah, you were just telling me you you travelled to Seoul, but you didn't play that 250 event last week. Are you, you physically okay now? I am. I am. You know, in the in the Davis Cup, it was uh, very very tough matches for me. Um, I played three matches. Every match was over over two and a half hours, almost. So, you know, I just came to Seoul very very late because of some things which I which I needed to do in the Croatia, and uh, just decided that I'm not going to play. I'm going to come. Um, much sooner to the Tokyo, and I can I can prepare better for Tokyo. Then, so that was kind of uh, 
my decision uh, and the team's decision. So, uh, so yeah, nothing was uh, actually wrong. It was, you know, just a little bit of pain in my ankle. But you know, if I if I wanted to push, I could. But I just uh, I just uh, I just didn't feel like pushing. <laughs> And you were just telling me it's been a while since you, you've been in Asia, actually, obviously because of the pandemic and the injury problems. I, I wondered whether coming back, I know we're in a different country, but coming back to Asia it starts those good memories from Shanghai in, in 2018 where you made the final in a Masters, a Masters event there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I've always enjoyed playing in the Asia and I was saying that I was always looking always looking forward, you know, for this part of the year. Um, so that's why I also entered these tournaments. I've, I couldn't play something closer not to the Europe, but I decided to play here because I always feel good in Asia. Maybe jet lag is is the only problem, but uh, everything else is, uh, in my opinion, really, really you know, cool, and it's um, a kind of change, big change for me. So I just like that. So yeah, that's why I decided to come. We're asking all the players about Roger Federer, obviously, after the last few days, and, and Roger saying goodbye to tennis. Um, what did he mean to you as an individual when you when you watched him play? Maybe as as a young as a young kid. kid when you were growing up. Yeah, yeah, you know, like you said, I was uh, basically watching him um, with Goran Ivanishevich, uh, Mario Ancic. So you know, all of uh, my big idols. You know, I was I, I basically started playing tennis because of them, and uh, you know, he was one of them. And I was watching him on the TV, and I was hoping. I can play against him one day. You know that was my main goal, and I remember even even today watching in uh, in my old apartment with my dad. I was I think uh, I think watching Roger against Rafa on some tournament. I'm not sure uh, some final. So you know, and I was saying I you know I I wish I can go there. I can I can play against them in the first round. So yeah, you know he was one of the main reasons um, why I started to play tennis. And uh, yeah, it's just you know what he did for the tennis is uh, absolutely amazing. And all all we can do is. Uh, just say thank you very much. And you have some good memories against him on court as well. Yeah. And I think you beat him during that Shang- Shanghai run. Yeah, yeah, in Shanghai. And I was, I was just checking the records. I think you're one of six players who beat him in a grass court final in, in Halle. That was 2018 as well. Yeah, that must yeah. be a special memory. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was uh, the most special tournament of uh, my whole career because uh, I think just before the tournament, I won two or three matches uh, on the grass in uh, probably last four years so I, I was always coming to the grass and I was not really hoping for the best you know if I would pass maybe one or or the two rounds I would be I'll be super super happy so you know just a beating in the first round in the second round I was beating good players and you know just coming to the finals playing against Roger and Halle was already for me enough uh, but obviously you now I played a really really good tennis and uh, yeah uh, it was uh, it was just something amazing for me. So with Astana and Tokyo over, attention now turns to Europe and two new events that have been given a one-year licence with all the COVID-19 affected schedule changes. They are Florence in Italy and Gijón in Spain, where a certain Spaniard was looking forward to paying a visit after an early exit in Astana. We joined him as he packed his bags. Hello, I'm Alejandro Davidovich Fokina and come and see how I travel. Would you say you like traveling, Alex? Is it a part of the tennis life that you enjoy? A lot. Okay, you have to travel every week and you don't have a lot of time to, to visit the, the city, or, you know. Then you have to, to do something to have fun in the airport or in the plane, you know, to don't get bored and enjoying every moment because, you know, like not everybody can do it. Then you have to think about that too. This one, it's a book <laughs> and you know 
I just started, then he can't. I'm so slow reading. What is the book, Alex? It's, it's Pinocchio, like he said in Italian. You know. The classic Pinocchio? Yes, yes. You he know won. the story already? No. Who recommends the books for you? Your manager? Yes, or? Corrado, yeah. And small ones. Small books, yeah. <laughs> Odd Socks. Tell me why you travel with Odd Socks. Well, since 15 years old, 16 years old, uh, that I wear different socks, one black and one white, you know, and since there is like a superstition. I cannot go on court uh, without one different socks. Why did it start when you were 15? What prompted it? To be different. Just to don't wear something that everybody wear. The next one is a chestnut. Mm -hmm. It's not a normal chestnut. They told me that it's like, it gives you luck. I don't know why, but I put it like there, like this. And I don't want to look at the chestnut every time because you know, it, it's not, you get a, getting crazy. You are losing and, okay, now, now please give me luck. No, no. The first tournament that I have it, and I did final. <laughs> I will keep it with me every time. But would you say you're quite superstitious then with the socks and the chestnut? Yeah, well, the old socks, is, it's like a superstition. It's not bringing me luck, but this one, I want to believe that it gives me luck, you know? Have it every time that I travel now. The next one, it's a pointer. Mm -hmm. And you know, I travel with it for relaxed muscles. You know, if I have a long hours in the plane, I want to relax a little bit muscles and that's it, that's, uh, that's his job. Which muscles would you use that for? Everything, your neck, your arm, your legs, it's for everything, but it's not, they don't have battery. <laughs> I need to change it. Of course, my iPods, mm -hmm. so important to me for travel, for competition, for my life, mm -hmm. to listen music. What music do you enjoy listening to? Depends. If I, if I want to sleep, chill out. And if I want to get motivated, uh, reggaeton, hip hop, you know, something that gives me power. So do you have a, a playlist, especially for just yes. performance? Yes, like uh, for match, just for match. I have like a superstition, but I want to listen the same music every time. And the last one, my iPad. For watch movies, series, uh, to analyze the, my opponents. You find it helpful to study your opponents? Yeah, for me, yes. The day before that I play, I want, uh, my coach and me will watch every, every movement, every, the statistics of, of the opponent and to analyze how to go on court. What was the last movie that you watched? I think it's Iron Man or something like that. You know, I'm a big fan of Marvel and I like watch it every movie like 20 times. Are you good at packing your things? Do you ever no. leave things behind? Or? Yeah, for example, this week <laughs> I have to send my man a message that I forgot shoes. <laughs> but every time, every, I don't know what happened with my head, but one year two in use open, I forgot my t-shirts. Did you ever think about making a list that you could check off? <laughs> Um, where's the favorite place for you to visit? Well, I love Brisbane, the vibe, uh, first of all, but they have a beach in the center of the city. When I went there, it was like a first love. 
hope you enjoyed that guys and I recommend you Hot Socks. See you soon. Always great to hear from Alejandro Davidovich Fakina, one of the real characters out there on tour. And next week we'll see how he and the rest of the draw do as we round up events in Gijón and in Florence. That is it for this time. I'm Seb Lozier. Remember, you can find all the latest news, results and draws on atptour.com and on the ATP WTA Live app. You can also check out the podcast channel for all the latest pods and exclusive interviews. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Enjoy the tennis. Listener.